I'm glad you guys are here this morning. If you're joining us online this morning, I'm glad you're joining us. For those of you who don't know, my name's Sean. I'm one of the pastors here. And, uh, and just want to take a moment and say, Happy Mother's Day. Uh, whatever that looks like for you um, and whoever that is for you, I'm, I'm glad you're here. Glad you're joining us online. We are going to begin with reading a psalm, Psalm 115. I'm gonna, I want to read it to you. And uh, if you'll trust me, for about the next 20 minutes, we're going to get this Psalm 115 to all connect with Mother's Day. Okay, It's going to seem very unlikely, but we're going to get there. Okay, So here, let me read it to you. It says, if you don't know this, the book of Psalms is kind of the Hebrew hymn book. Okay, And uh, so it says this in Psalm 115. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory. Because of your loving kindness, because of your truth. Why should the nations say, where now is their God? But our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of man's hands. But they have mouths, they have mouths, but they can't see. They have eyes, but they can't see. This kind of reminds me, um, do you remember, uh, for some of you, for a certain generation, there was a TV show for a little while called Yo Mama, Right? Uh, very uh, niche cultural reference. Uh, and, and it was just basically this TV show where they would like make fun of each other back and forth. They'd have a competition making fun of each other. This, this feels like a, a, a Yo Mama uh, episode right here, right? They have mouths, but they can't speak. They have eyes, but they can't see. They have ears, but they can't hear. They have noses, but they can't smell. He just goes on and on. They have hands, but they can't feel. They have feet, but they can't walk. They cannot even make a sound with their throat. Those, this is his kicker. This is his, right? Those who make them will become like them, right? <laughs> unable to talk, unable to see, unable to touch, unable to walk. But he goes on, it says this. But instead, O Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield, being Israel. Oh, house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. You who fear the Lord, right? That, that's us. That's, that's all of us. We who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. It's that last verse for a moment that I, I want to sit on right here. Some of you are more visual people, so you can see it, not just hear it. This is the last verse he says right here. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. This word here, it, it occurs a lot in uh, the Old Testament. This word in Hebrew, this isn't going to be the correct pronunciation of it, but let's be honest, when was the last time someone asked you for the correct pronunciation of a Hebrew word, right? Uh, instead, you're going to actually remember a Hebrew word today, okay? This Hebrew word here, um, we're going to pronounce this way, azer. And we're going to pronounce it that way because you're going to remember this, right? It's like you're from the South, okay? And you're going to say, Azer, some more mayonnaise in the fridge, okay? So there you go. Azer, now you're going to remember that, right? Azer, there's some more mayonnaise in the fridge, okay? Billy Bob, give me some mayonnaise, right? He, he, is, he is their help. The word is, is Azer. 
Uh, the word is azer. And, and this, is, this is a great, tra- in, almost, in fact, almost every Bible translation you open up is going to uh, use this word for azer. It's going to use this word help. And it's a word almost exclusively to describe the role of one person, and that is God. Almost exclusively, used tons of times throughout the Old Testament, almost every single time this word is used to describe God. Now, here's the thing, right? Um, help in, in uh, 21st century English language. If you spend a lot of time around here, if you've been joining us online, we've had this conversation about language is dynamic, it evolves, it changes, meaning for things, emphasis for things. Uh, someone who helps used to be a, a real place of honor, Right? But in our culture, in our language over the last hundred years, it's, it's almost become kind of a, a pejorative tense word. Right? It's, it's almost someone that is less than you, right? the help. Right? There's actually a really great movie called The Help. Right? Um, or uh, someone at a service industry might be called that, and we might be we're not talking down to them. Right? But this word, actually, if you think about it, what it means to help someone... When you need help, you are actually, think about it, you are actually the inferior one. Now, I, I've never had this problem, but if you were vertically challenged and you go into your kitchen and there's a cup that you want and it's on the top shelf and you can't, you can barely open the cabinet door, let alone reach the cup, and you say to someone else in your, hell, in your house, can I get some help? Right? It's because you can't do it. You can't reach it, and so someone else has to come fill the gap that you can't get. So you get help because you can't reach. That's, that's the idea here. This is why he's encouraging us to cry out to God that he is our help. He is the one who fills the gaps. He covers for our insufficiency. It is used all throughout the Old Testament because over and over and over again, the people of Israel find themselves in a place where they're insufficient. They find themselves surrounded by enemies from the south and enemies from the east and enemies from the north. And if you read through the Psalms, they'll say stuff like, they surround me on every side. Lord, help. Lord, be my azer. Lord, be my helper. But like I said, in, in our language, help can sometimes kind of like think, well, well, that person is lesser because they're just the one helping. And so actually, uh, recently, some Hebrew scholars, linguists have begun to advocate for another word that I think is really good and helpful and beautiful and help us understand what's going on here and in the Old Testament, some passages we're going to look at in a minute. They've started to advocate that in modern English that we should translate the word to be ally. I think that's really great. It's a really great word picture of what's going on here. I mean, you already see there's kind of military language anyways going on most of the time. When the word azer is used, it's used in military sense. And so who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord, he is their ally, right? All these other nations have allies. They come together to destroy us, the psalmist would cry all the time. Lord, be our ally. Come and fight with us. Come and fight for us. Cover our weak flanks, right? All this imagery that we see throughout all the Old Testament to be our ally, to be the one who covers our inadequacies and our insufficiency. Be the one to fight in the places that we can't, to cover us with your protection as a mighty God who topples kingdoms and topples um, enemies that you are our, our, our ally. Now, there is one spot 
that this word is used, and it's not speaking of God. It's a spot you're probably familiar with if you spend a lot of time around uh, church. It's right at the beginning, right? It comes in Genesis 2. It says this. Um, Genesis 2, verse 18, it says this. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him an azer. Azer, some more mayonnaise. I will make him an azer suitable for him. I will make him a, a helper. I will make for him an ally. I will make for him an azer. So what does this have to do with Mother's Day? Well, I want to show you one more verse. It comes in Ecclesiastes. It says this. Maybe you've heard this verse before or parts of it or someone's reference. It says this. He being God has planted eternity in the human heart. He's planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. Uh, Paul speaks of this similarly in Romans 1. In Romans 1, he talks about it and he says um, that even if you don't have the law, right, the, the, the language he uses, but, but we, might say, we might say this, right? Like, even if you don't have a Bible, right, even if you've never heard of a Bible, you've never heard of Jesus, Paul would argue, and the writer of Ecclesiastes is telling us, that God has built our souls in a way where he has, the, the writer of Ecclesiastes says, he's put eternity into our souls. The, Paul says in Romans, he says that um, God has made us in a way that all we have to do is look at his creation and there are things we can know about him. Now, we can't know everything. We can't know God's redemptive plan. We can't know his plan for the end times. We can't know things about spiritual gifts. We can't know things about the polity, the structure of the church. We can't know, there's a lot of things we can't know. We can't know about the person of Jesus just by looking at his creation. But there's a lot of things that God built into us that when we look at the world, when we experience this world, we look at things, even if we've never heard of Jesus or never heard of the Bible, we look at things that go, there's something otherworldly about that. There is something that reverberates in eternity. There is something holy or even divine about that. And although the writer of Ecclesiastes says we can't know all of God's works, we can't know everything about him, there are places and ways that we look in the lives we live and we go, there is something unique, almost godlike about that experience or about that reality. That's what Paul's saying is that we can look and we can see the way God made things and go, there's something about this, this God that's like, that's like this. Here's the interesting thing about Mother's Day. Um, throughout human history, almost every society, and today, all around our world, maybe not on this day, but in their own unique ways, human societies have recognized that there is something unique and holy and almost godlike in mothering. There is something that when you see good mothering happening, there is something about it that is almost holy. That is so otherworldly that you don't even have to know about God. You don't have to know about his character. You don't have to know about Jesus. You don't have to know his scriptures. You don't have to know any of that stuff. And you look at good mothering and you look and you say, there is something to be honored in that. The reason is, it's because God placed it in our soul to recognize his character. The reason is, is because in Genesis 2, 
in Genesis 2, he forms a woman and he calls her to be the Azer, to be the ally. He calls her to carry on a role that he carries. He built women to be the ally. He put on their heart to be the ally. We say it this way. In, in theological circles, you'd say this. When, when you see someone being an azer, when you see someone allied, when you see someone being a helper, it is a reflection of the Imago Dei. That God placed parts of his character in us so that we, when we are acting in the way that God has designed us to be, that we would see not in perfection, not in his way, not completely, not fully, but we would see something in one another and say, there's something that looks almost God-like in that. That God has built us. In fact, not just women, not just women to be azers, to be comforters, to be shelters, to be protectors, to advocate for, for the weak and the overlooked and the rejected and the vulnerable. Not just, not just women and not just those who give birth. But this is something Jesus does. You remember there's a time Jesus stands up on the hill outside of Jerusalem, and he says this. He says, oh, Jerusalem, how I have longed to gather you under my wings like a hen does her chicks. That's, that's the heart of Azer. That's the heart of someone using their power, using their position, using their life to shelter and protect the vulnerable and the weak. It is a reflection of the heart of God. One of the reasons we find it so easy to honor and celebrate mothering is because we see something God-like in it, because we see something like what God promises to do for us. But it doesn't just end there. In fact... This theme is picked up, and it's a call of us. Because do you remember the image that Scripture uses to talk about us? One of the images it uses says that we are the body of Christ, that we are to be a people individually and collectively that the world can look at and see the image of God, can see the character of God, can see the nature of a God who desires to be our ally, who desires to fight for and advocate for those who are vulnerable and, and at risk, who are little chicks running around the yard. He, he is a God who desires to gather and protect, and he calls us as a church to be a people who have his same heart to ally, to azer, to protect, to be a helper for the vulnerable and the weak and the at-risk in our world and our community. And in that way, the world might look at us and say, there's something, there's something different, there's something even otherworldly about that. So he says this, James, James writes in, in his epistle, he writes these famous words. He says this, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows. That if we are going to, as a church, to mother well, we are going to be people who are going to gather the most vulnerable orphans and widows, the ones who are most overlooked, orphans and widows, and we are going to be their ally, their helper, their shelter. We are going to mother a broken and busted humanity well in a way that a world will look and say there's something almost otherworldly 
about that. So what does that look like for us? Well, it looks like for us as a church that like, we want to honor. We want to honor well any time that we see, whether it's with uh, children you've given birth to, or it's kids that are in your neighborhood, or it's, it's nephews and nieces, or it's grandchildren, or it's um, kids in your school, or it's kids in your workplace. Anytime that we see people mothering well, azering, caring for, protecting, offering their bodies and their life to, to, to shelter and protect the most vulnerable, we want to honor and we want to celebrate that. And for all those of you who have mothered well whether with your own biological children or with those who aren't, we want to say thank you. But we also as a church want to be a place that azers well, that mothers well, that shelters and protects the vulnerable. And so, so there's some things we're pretty passionate about. Um, uh, we uh, are pretty passionate about uh, adoption. And if you are in a season of life and you are considering thinking about that maybe God's calling you to, to uh, demonstrate the gospel, which literally the language that's used when describing the gospel is to say that we've been adopted as sons and daughters, that God has called us his own, that if you want to adopt, we, we want to walk with you in that, and we'd love to connect with you. We'd love to have conversations. Um, but the other place that we're really passionate about is about working with and supporting those who foster and those who are in the foster care system. There are few people more vulnerable, more at risk than children who end up in the foster care system by zero fault of their own. Like, um, I, I've said this kind of as a joke before, but I don't know if you know this, is that problem children don't end up in foster care, okay? Um, children who are violent and do like break the law don't end up in foster care. They end up in juvie, okay? Kids who are in foster care are kids by zero fault of their own were dealt a horrific deck of cards. And we as the church are called to be the kind of people who see the most vulnerable, the most overlooked, the most uh, at risk and to gather together. And so we do stuff. So like uh, this week, we're launching our diapers and wipes drive. Right? And there's a trailer out there. We want to fill diapers and wipes because we want to do something practical, something simple, really, really something simple, diapers and wipes, right? So a necessity to demonstrate that we are a people who will give of ourselves to shelter and protect the most vulnerable, that we will reflect the image of God in mothering well a community that is broken and in desperate need of help. And so a couple years ago, we uh, did a little video with some of the DHS workers to kind of talk and if you, to see what we do. And if you haven't been around before, I want to show you again this video we showed a couple um, years ago about the kind of impact that something as simple as buying some diapers and wipes can do uh, for our community. So he, here's the... This is for our community and really showing up for our community in that effort. So when I see this church, I want to fractal that out. I want to see it with every church. Anything from little donations, little help, up to like what they did to me, which was like huge and something I've never seen before, it impacts our community greatly. So I'm Katie Martin. I'm our resource developer and addiction recovery team leader here at DHS Polk County Child Welfare. I have been here for 10 years. Uh, my name is Ritter Warren. I've been a CPS worker just a little over two years. 
My name is Chad Cobbin, and I'm a certifier for DHS Child Welfare. I've been doing it for three years. We're the people who, the front line of like helping them and seeing if there is like abuse or neglect occurring, and then the worst circumstances, which nobody likes, is potentially removing a child. So I got connected with MCC actually going to a service integration team meeting with the pleasure and privilege of meeting Sean. But we got connected and he just said he had a heart and the church really had a heart to help our population, help our foster parents, help the families that we work with and looking at ways we could partnership together. When I was temping, when I was first starting at DHS, I saw the connection. I heard about the connection. I heard about people talking about this church. The first year, we were blown away. We had uh, Yuli and Sean both show up in the truck the back was completely full. Katie got the whole office together and was like, can we get some diapers and wipes? And This year, they show up. They have this humongous trailer. So we hear diapers are coming, and then I walk outside, and I'm like, oh, there's diapers. Pretty sure the whole office was helping out. I had my entire team, we were like in a line of people just like passing diapers. Filling up our clothing closet, us putting out diapers under the desks, in back rooms. There's no words, really. There is absolutely no words for the shock and just humbleness that we felt. For us, it's huge. I don't think people understand that even a box of diapers or wipes goes so much further in the families that we have contacts in their lives. It was awe-inspiring. I mean, there's no other way to even, even say it. With this job, there's a lot of negativity. There's a lot of uh, self-doubt. Um, but seeing that and kind of what a community can do um, impact, it just, it put everyone in a good mood. I mean, I was having a rough day that day, most honestly, and I'm <laughs> going out there and I'm going, I needed this, you know, I needed just this, this moment. It's moving. And it inspires us as a team. <laughs> Sorry, I get emotional when I talk about it. <laughs> I just want to say thank you. I mean, what they did was they, they're giving families hope. Well, I personally want to thank MCC uh, for encouraging me and my colleagues and what we do. It's impacting hundreds, if not thousands of families and what they did, I just can't thank them enough. And thank you for how you've lifted us up. We are so incredibly, without a doubt, thankful for what you guys do and the difference that you make and the partnership you provide us because I have to say also not only is it helping our families but really it's giving um, our caseworkers a sense of um, thankfulness in the fact that we have that partnership and that we have people behind us appreciating us for the work that we're doing <laughs> and wanting to be part of that collaboration to make that impact. It's, it's just so big. So we thank you. <laughs>
we, we want to be a people who can fill the gap, who can be the helpers, who can um, be the azers, who can be the allies of the most vulnerable and at risk in our community. And so we'd love for you to be a part of that. Um, you, can, you can drop off diapers anytime you want. Uh, you know, what's awesome too in the world, the technology of the world we live in, you can go on Amazon and you can have diapers delivered right here. And I can tell you, I, for the next couple of weeks, I don't know if the, the delivery drivers love us or hate us, um, but they're here every single day dropping off diapers and wipes. And if you don't know this, um, diapers are pretty light. Um, wipes are not. So they get a good, good workout, a loading and unloading a bunch of diapers and wipes every single day. But it's our heart, our desire to, to reflect what we see in mothers when they're mothering well is that, that desire to sacrifice yourself and your comfort for the benefit of those who are entrusted to you and as a church there are individuals, there are people in this community who've been entrusted for us to be their azer, to be their allies. and So you can adopt, you can be a part of foster care, whether it's actually fostering or, or, uh, um, or, or something as simple as diaper and wipes. And here's the cool thing. If, if you have any interest in, in uh, foster care, the head of every child, Polk County, who is a great ally um, of, of us and of DHS and the foster care system, incredible story, uh, she actually goes to our church. And so you can get connected with every child and you can find ways, even outside of fostering, that you can support families that do foster and do really incredible things. The last thing is, maybe you don't want to adopt. Maybe you don't have time for uh, fostering. The last thing is this. The really easy thing that you can do um, is you can scan this QR code. Um, you can scan this QR code, or you can text Monmouth to 97,000. And, uh, and you can do a child sponsorship. We work through an organization. There's a lot of them that do, but we work through an organization called Mission of Hope. And it is an incredible organization. And I don't have time to share with you about it. At some point in time, uh, we'll do a whole little short video on it. But Mission of Hope is incredible, amazing. It serves thousands, tens of thousands of children in the slums of Nairobi. Provides food, provides an education. For many of them, provides housing, provides opportunities. For many of them, they, they go on to actually have meaning opportunities at trade skills or going to four-year colleges. Some of them even leave the country and come back to the slums of Nairobi to serve in their community. And here's the really incredible thing about Mission of Hope International and, and everything they're doing in slums of Nairobi. In a very practical way, it only exists because of this church. Some point in time, we'll take the time to tell the story. But what is now serving tens of thousands of children a year has a, a part of its root existence because the generosity of people of this church. And so it, the cool thing is if you sponsor a child through Mission of Hope International, if you use our link, you could go to Mission of Hope International anytime you wanted, but if you go through our Connect card or if you use this thing, it, you'll actually sponsor a kid. We're all gonna sponsor kids from the same exact school, which is awesome because in preceding years, which we're gonna be doing soon, when we start sending teams to Africa and we get to go to the slums in Nairobi, we're all actually gonna go to the school where about half of the children are sponsored by people of this church. And it's gonna be awesome. And be able to see what, uh, what a church can do that's committed to being an ally, to being an azer, to being a helper to the most vulnerable. And so this morning, again, for whatever it looks like in whatever ways that you've demonstrated the image of God in mothering well, thank you. And as a church, our call continues to reflect the heart of God, to mother a broken and busted world 
well, to be the advocates and the protectors of those who are most vulnerable. And so I hope that some way today in honor of Mother's Day, you would find a way to mother well.